Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. You might wonder about the balloons and um, everything. We're finishing a series this morning called Boys and Girls, and I've really loved it. I think this is number six, and we've been uh, exploring this whole relationship, uh, you know, thing that we do in life, everything from the right one all the way through to uh, marriage, of course, and uh, we, we looked at how to find the right one. The fact is there isn't just one right one. There's about 7 billion people out there. I think there's more than one that would fit the bill, to be honest. We also looked at the difference between a covenant and a contract. Uh, the world today thinks, well, marriage is just a piece of paper. Who cares? Uh, well, if that was the case, is it working? There were uh, 112,000 marriages uh, in two th- the last census uh, results in 2017, and uh, over 40,000 of the 112,000 ended in divorce. That's for the people that were married. Now, the people that were living together, it's even worse. And uh, people living together has increased from, from 1967. It was about 5% of couples chose to live together to uh, 2017 again. Uh, all the way, 80% increase of couples just living together. The consequences of that, which I felt in my life growing up, is something called divorce or separation. And the consequences of that are the kids. The kids end up being collateral damage of mom and dad's lack of commitment towards something called marriage, thinking it's just a piece of paper. And uh, so there were 40,000 children in 2017 that uh, were casualties of mom and dad's poor choice in, in divorce alone, let alone the breakups from people mar- that are not married, that are living together. I think that's kind of sad, and I think that it's not working. I think something's broken and it needs to be fixed. And so we go back to the author uh, of marriage, the person that set the whole thing up, the founder, the author, the father, if you will, of marriage, and that's God. God invented sex. Hello. God invented everything that really is good and fun. The rest of the stuff has, has a, a little bit of joy to it or a little bit of happiness or a little bit of fun, but it has a nasty sting at the end of it. I know I've been on the other end of bad choices of things that were very, very fun, but the consequences are pretty nasty. So we looked at the difference between a, a covenant, which is something that, uh, that really people bind each other in a promise that, that's, that, that's perpetual, that, that lasts. It's usually in other, other uh, cultures. They, they commit to the point of, of, the, of the cutting uh, and the shedding of blood when it comes to covenant. It's very, very deep. I'm promised promising you and I'm committed to you, not in a contract where I can break it and there's small print, we can get out of that thing and just a piece of paper that's worthless and we're going to get lawyers and some individualistic, uh, selfish, narcissistic thing going on, but we're talking about something that, that when people get together and they cut covenant with each other, it means what I've got is yours, what you got is mine, uh, I don't, I don't uh, stand up for my rights in this thing, I lay down my rights, uh, I pick up uh, my challenge to honor and to love and to even submit. And we're going to look at that this morning because I believe that marriage is a mystery that very few people ever figure out. 
There's a great scripture, and we did, we did look at it last week, and it's in Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to go there, and then I'm going to do something a little bit unusual. I've never done this before, but I believe that it will bring something out of a revelation. I've, I've got three titles for this, this morning's message, and maybe you could help me at the end. I don't really know which is the best one. Uh, one of the titles, I call it Play It Back, which you'll see in a moment. The second one, I have called it The Mystery of marriage, because it's got two words that begin with M. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, every preacher looks for these things. And, and then the third uh, title that we could call this morning is, is marriage, comma, there is more to it than you think. So <laughs> those are the three options this morning, and you can pick whichever one that you want. But I, I, I watch people when they talk about marriage, and a lot of uh, marriage sermons or talks they kind of go something like this. They kind of help people get along, uh, and, and this whole thing called love gets thrown in there. Uh, I, I love ice cream. How many people don't like ice cream? How many people don't love ice cream? No hands. Are, everybody loves ice cream. Uh, what? You don't like it. Okay. Sorry about that. <sighs> Man. Uh, everybody look over there. There's a lady here that says she doesn't love ice cream. Uh, <laughs> uh, puppies. How many people don't like puppies? In the back. You must be a cat woman. Uh, hardly, everybody loves puppies. Come on. Cute little cuddly puppies. Uh, when it comes to marriage, sometimes our take on marriage is a little bit like that. Let's just learn to get along. There's more to marriage, however, than just getting along and, uh, you know, the reciprocal things that go on there. Uh, where, we're, where we're going this morning is not there. We got some balloons. We're going to have a, we got a bit of bling going on. We got uh, a cake out in the foyer. We're going to celebrate. We got some uh, maison out there to have a toast. We're celebrating uh, marriage. But this morning, marriage isn't quite what you think it is. I hear people talk about the power of love. And often when it comes to marriage, words like forgiveness, uh, change lives, making marriage work, uh, we're, we're, we're to love one another. All these things are true, I might add. Uh, and we look at society, and we, we think the same thing about society. What the world needs now is just love, sweet love. If everybody could just get along, uh, imagine a world like that, nations, religions, churches, everybody getting together. But if you're anything like me, I look at that and I go, well, you know what? I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's kind of impossible. It overwhelms me to the point where I think, what's the, what's the point? I'm trying to think that a whole, all these nations are going to love each other. They're going to, they're going to disband all their nuclear weapons and, and you know, stop fighting over money and stop fighting over territory and everything else. I don't think so. So God gives us a standard of love uh, for which to, to, to live by. And he says this, that you are to love how I loved you. And Romans 5, we won't go there, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, in other words, missing the mark or uh, ungodly, if you will, or don't even believe in him, Christ died for us. He loved all of us to that point. We cannot duplicate that. He loved the whole world. You're not going to be able to love the whole world. Seven billion people, that you, most of whom you don't know, you're not going to really love all of those people. It's impossible, but God has called us to do something that I find very, very amazing, and he uses marriage to bring it out. 
So instead of feeling like, you know, what's the use and, and, and giving up and get overwhelmed by it, uh, we can look at something that's so simple this morning that I believe when you get a hold of it, you're going to go, wow, I can do that. And, and, and I can do my part and I can understand what my part is in it. And out of what we're talking about this morning is going to come something so powerful that honestly, it'll be like a big bang if we ever get it together. I was actually uh, reading about the Big Bang this week, and it talked about how, uh, you know, when the whole universe started, according to uh, a lot of scientists, the, uh, you know, the thing expanded in less than a second, uh, one second to the minus 32 degree. Uh, it went to the, from nothing to the size of a football, and then it, it kind of paused there for just a, a nanosecond, and then it went bang and exploded, and you know everything that we have, all the galaxies and everything came out of that. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And God spoke everything into existence. Oh, there was a big bang, all right. God spoke something, but it wasn't something coming out of nothing, because God's not nothing. God created something with his word. His words are powerful. And what we're talking about this morning is along those lines that there, God, God is calling us to look at something that looks so insignificant and so small that we think, oh, this couldn't possibly be powerful. It is incredibly powerful what we're looking at this morning. So I'd like you to go with me over to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. We're going to read down to verse 32. This is marriage, but it's not like you think it is. There's more to it than what we think. Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I, I want you to really make a note of all the times where he's talking about this is how you're supposed to do it, out of reverence for Christ. What does that mean? Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. A lot of people switch out uh, reading this. They go, oh, that's, you know, that's so, that's on the, you know, that's so old-fashioned. It's out of date. It's 2,000 years old. They didn't know what we know today, etc., etc. Just wait. Uh, I, I beg to differ with that one. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, verse 32 is interesting here because he says something that's just amazing, and it, and it, it covers this whole uh, text that we just read. This is a profound mystery. Not just a mystery, but a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. 
the caption uh, in my Bible, just before it, it says Ephesians chapter 5, it says this, it says rules uh, for uh, Christian marriage. And I think, no, not really. That's not what it's about. He tells us here he's actually talking about his relationship with his bride. And his bride, he says, is the church. His relationship as the husband, so to speak, and us as the bride, that relationship that we are uh, married in a way to him, it sounds a bit weird, but it's a, it's a relationship that is so strong and his love is so strong towards us that it, that it goes even to the point where he says, it, it's like my own body. I, I, you know, you can't hate yourself. You, you nurture uh, yourself. That's how I nurture you. Now, I want to read this backwards. Like I said, I've never done this before, but uh, I was challenged, and so I, I gave David the assignment up there to put these scriptures in backwards, but I've gone through it myself and done it. So let's just see. We're going to go verse 32, and we're going to read the same passage only backwards, play it back, and, and I believe that something's going to drop on this, uh, and I don't believe this is doing an injustice to the text. Uh, as you'll see, uh, I believe you'll get something about the mystery. So verse 32 this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. For this reason, for what reason? Christ and the church. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, Jesus did have a mother. Her name was Mary. He did leave her. He, he, on the cross, he looked down. He says, uh, you know, uh, son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Talking about uh, his brothers that were standing there. And, and, and he left his father when he came into this earth. You know, the father, son, and the Holy Spirit. Not to confuse everybody. But, but, but he left for one reason. He left those two, father and mother. He did it for you. So that you could, in a mystical way, be married and become the bride of Christ. That's how much he adores you and loves you. He is madly in love with you. And so he says, for this reason, you do that to become one flesh. For we are members of his body. Verse 29. After all, no one ever hated his, their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. Do you understand how much he cares about you and feeds you and nurtures you and looks after you as if you are his bride? In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Again, he is the husband. We are the bride of Christ. And, and, and he says, in the same way, the husband, that's me, ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his wife loves himself. God loves you so much that he loves you as if it were him. In verse 27, and to present her to himself a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's the end result of the, of the marriage love relationship that he has with his bride, his church. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. That's a lot of what we're doing right now. You're being washed with the word of God. Husbands, love your wives 
just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Notice he refers to his church, his bride, as, as her. It's an endearment. It's a, it's a tenderness. It's a, an incredible love relationship that he has with us. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now we're getting into something that could be looked at uh, kind of like his rules or some kind of legalism. I want you to switch that off for a moment because we're going to see why submission is such an essential ingredient in this whole relationship. And it's far more than just, oh, let's just, we just need to get along. So, you know, submit and we'll, we'll get along. We'll have a really happy marriage. It's not about that only. That's kind of like uh, the surface of that. So as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Again, the wife being the church should submit to the husband, Christ, in everything. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Wow, what a wonderful title, Savior. Not condemner. He came into the world to save. He's nurturing his, his, his body, his church like his bride. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Again, we are all like wives in this situation. We are the bride, and we are to submit to him. He says it's a mystery, but I'm talking about the relationship between me and, and my bride, the church. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's verse 21. So I hope that you're getting a picture here of something that's absolutely amazing, and, and it's amazing for this reason. It's imperative that we don't just work on marriage to get along and to be happy. There is something far greater than just us getting along in some kind of husband-wife, man-woman relationship. And he brings it out in Matthew chapter 18. I'm just going to, I know there's a bit of scripture in this this morning, but uh, we, I needed to lay a foundation. And we're just going to read two, two scriptures here. In, in, in Matthew 18, Jesus starts off and he's talking about, uh, you know, they said, who's going to be the greatest? How do we become the greatest in the, in the kingdom of God? He says, you got to be like one of these. And he uses a little child. You, you, you become like a little child or you're not going to be great. If you want to be great, be like one of these little child. What's a child like? You know, they're submissive. They're, they're very teachable. Well, some are, some aren't. Uh, in Matthew 18, 18, Jesus says this. He says, truly I tell you. Now, we're getting down to the meat of the matter right now. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Notice it's not whatever you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. It's the other way around. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, I am with them. You know, love produces something called unity. And I put a little equation together. I don't know if that's, Dave had time to do that or not, but if it, if it will, it'll come up. Love equals unity. Oh, there you go. Love equals unity equals agreement equals power. Incredible power. Now, that power is resident 
when, a, when a, a, a bride called the church gets into agreement with the husband called Jesus Christ, the Father, God, when, 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 that, when that unity happens, when that marriage relationship, when those people get along together, get, get on the same page, submit one to another, which is the reason why we submit, why we become like little children, why we uh, 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 forgive and, and do all of these things. When that happens, there is so much power ready to be released. The Bible says this. It says one can put, come on, Pentecostal church people, one can put a thousand to flight, and two can put, come on, 10,000 to flight. Now, it seems to me that one plus one, last time I checked, equals two. Not, you know, way more than that. It seems to me that if, that if, if, if uh, uh, I'll pick on somebody, if my wife over here had a thousand uh, power in her for a thousand, and then YM over here had uh, the power of a thousand, and the two of them get to greet get together that, that, that Gail's thousand and YM's thousand equals what? One thousand plus one thousand equals two thousand. But, but God says this, that, that when you get into agreement, this kind of submiss, submiss, submissive relationship that, I, that he's talked about in Ephesians there between the husband and the wife, between uh, God and his bride, when you get into agreement together, a uh, thousand plus a thousand no longer equals two thousand. It equals ten thousand. Do you understand that? The devil's plan, if I was the devil, I would, be, I would be executing the same plan that he's executing. Very, very smart. He's very, very good at what he does. If he can stop the two from getting in agreement, he can limit the potency or the power factor to just, well, one plus one, it's just addition. He can limit that to just mere addition. But he knows that if he fails in that, and if he fails in your marriage, that, that if he fails and you get into agreement with that person that you're married to, and if you get into agreement as a church person, whether you're single or married, if you get into agreement and you get some unity happening, some love together, unity, and, and, and you get into agreement, there is exponential, it's big bang time all over again, baby. It's something so small that it's going, when it explodes, it is going to blow something up for the good. God's got incredible power, but that power doesn't get unleashed when there's discord and disagreement and people, I've got my rights, and people won't submit. Like, like he says, submit. Why? So you can get into agreement. There are so many church people, seriously, and they've got their rights. And they don't understand that their biggest right is to give up your rights. He, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because he is. But he humbled himself all the way down to the point of death on a cross. Talk about submission. Talk about, I've got my rights. Where, when did he go, I've got my rights. You're not going to nail me to no cross. There's no way you're going to hurl abuse at me, pull my beard out, and I'm not going into hell for nobody on the cross, he submitted. He used his highest right, which is his right, to give up his rights. And that's what Ephesians, Paul is talking, he's appealing to us as the bride of Christ. Yes, it is talking about marriage. Of course, you, you need to have that going in your marriage. Why? So you can have a happy moment together all the time? So you can get along for the sake of the kids? 
So you can shove cake into each other's mouth and, you know, take pictures on Instagram and stuff? No, it's so you can get into the power of agreement for things that you need to agree on. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but somebody here, maybe they need an answer to prayer. Maybe they need a miracle. Maybe they need something that one plus one equals two is not going to produce. Maybe, just maybe, they need some, something more than just addition power, but they need some multiplication, explosive power. It's only going to come through submission and agreement and honor and words like that that are curse words in most churches, quite frankly. So if I was the devil, I'd be working just like he is, causing division and disunity, unforgiveness, and all of these things. But what happens when two or more get together and they're praying? And that certainly should be a husband and a wife. That's why we're covenant. We're not, we're not in the contract. We're not into let's just blow through all the stop signs that God's got there. Call them archaic and old-fashioned and everything else. We're into something called a covenant relationship where we get into not just some flimsy piece of paper agreement, but where two people get together. Whether they're happy or not happy isn't the issue. Whether they've been offended in their marriage or not, that's not the issue. There's so so much more at stake here. Do you understand that? And when you have children, you'll know what I'm talking about. You've got to get into agreement with somebody because those kids, don't always chew, love puppy dogs and ice cream. <laughs> it's not always, you know, it's not always working the way you think it's going to work. Uh, you know, Gail and I, so many times, it's like with our son, we don't know what he's up to and where he's at and all the rest of it. I just say, Gail, come on, let's grab hands. Let's just get on our knees and let's just pray. and Let's just get into agreement on this. It's not she's going to go her way and pray. I'm going to go my way and pray. No, I don't want addition on this thing. I want the power of God. I want some explosive multiplication stuff to go on. I want something to go off. And when Jesus sees, when God sees two people, two or more, and they're praying, and, you know, one of them's kind of got unforgiveness, and they're praying in their room. They can't stand the other person and all the rest of it. He just walks past and goes, well, I don't feel like I'm invited in on that one. I'd have to go over here and try to, you know, they got stuff going on. But when he sees two people that everything's not lined up, but they've forgiven and they've submitted and they've done the stuff that he says to do, and they join hands and they get into agreement, he walks past, he sees them praying, and, and, and he finds that so irresistible. I mean, how would you like to be in a prayer meeting and have Jesus walk through the door and join your prayer meeting. I mean, seriously. You know, I've prayed with a lot of good people. You guys, I love you guys like crazy. You know, it's so much, it's so good to pray. But if God doesn't walk in that room while we're praying, like seriously, it's like, well, you know, something's missing here. And, and how would you love it if you're praying because you're submitting to one another and, and you, you're doing the things that he's doing the stuff, right? The hard stuff, like like forget, forgiveness and, and not letting the, the sun go down and your anger and you're, you're in covenant together. And, 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 and you're praying and all of a sudden the door opens and it's Jesus. Wow! What can't happen now? 
you're struggling away in that prayer. You're thinking, oh, I don't, you know, this is too big. I, you know, we're both overwhelmed. We got all the what ifs going on. Our brains frying from, you know, bad imaginations of bad things that can happen. And you know, and all of a sudden, but we're in agreement. We're submitting one to another. We've we've got unity going on here. Our, our church is in unity. Come on, for our city here. We're not in discord. We're not talking about the music's too loud. And I don't I don't think the preacher yells too much. And you know, what we. We're dropping all of our stones, and we're getting locked into agreement and unity with the other believers. And all of a sudden now, yes, our city can explode with growth in Jesus Christ. Yes, we can be a light into this world. Anything short of that, though, God just looks at it and goes, I'm not joining that. I can't. There's no faith in it. They're just a bunch of disobedient, selfish people. When God joins your prayer team, Things don't just go a, a whole nother level. They go to a whole nother dimension. There's a big difference between those two. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. Exponential growth, something as small as a mustard seed, like an atom splitting. All of a sudden, it blows up into something massive out of nothing, becomes something so powerful. And the reason the devil hates it is because he hates and he knows the power of agreement. So his plan is just to keep getting between people, keep causing offenses, keep, keep us measuring on the things that aren't really major, that don't really matter all that much. He knows if, if a church gets into agreement, the result is going to be catastrophic to the kingdom of darkness. I think about all the people in the Bible. I'd like the worship team to come up, thanks who got into agreement. I think about, what if they wouldn't have got into agreement? You know, God tells Joshua, put the praisers out, put Judah out first, walk around Jericho, formidable place. It's the first, first place that they are to take in, in, in their promised land, Canaan. Gets them walking around six days, they walk around once. And they're walking in cadence. There's no doubt about it. They are in unity. They're up against something that is so massive and so frightful, these walls and that army, uh, that it, it looks like this is just impossible. But God puts the praisers out front, and he gets them walking around that wall. And on the seventh day, he says, go around it seven times. And when you shout, there is a shout of agreement. There is a shout of unity. There is a sound when people are getting into agreement with each other. And you know that sound because it's not like any other sound. I looked up the word agree. In the Greek language, it's symphoneo. Symphoneo is where we get symphony from. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, something where there was an orchestra playing or, or uh, a symphony band, but it's just incredible. You know, any one of those instruments playing individually, they're good. It makes a good sound. You've got to have a good sound so that when you come together, it's not a discord, but when they're together in one accord, things start to happen. And when you put that together, it just makes a magnificent sound. Can I uh, individually here, I'm just going to demonstrate this, but go ahead and play something, and then uh, somebody else plays something, and then play it all together, and let's just see the difference. Thanks. Okay, it's a good beat. Nothing wrong with that. One could put a thousand. One could put a thousand. Come on. What about two? That's a good sound. Another one. 
Come on. I love it. You know, I could listen to any one of those guys individually. We got more? Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could I can sense a song coming on. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, come on. Why don't we play together now? Come on. Symphony time. See the difference? Isn't that good? Yeah. Oh, there's a shout of unity. Come on. Walls of Jericho are coming down. Gideon defeated the Midianites. The Holy Spirit showed up on the day of Pentecost when they were in one accord. Paul and Silas saw the prison doors open when they got in one accord. Symphoneo happens. Symphony happens. An orchestra combined with diverse instruments under the direction of a skilled conductor. It produces a beautiful musical masterpiece and something powerful is released in the church. Something powerful is released in your marriage when you get into agreement one to another and submit something natural becomes supernatural because God wants to take the super and put it on your natural and cause something supernatural. God wants to take your ordinary and put his extra and cause something extraordinary to happen in your marriage and your church. Come on, church. I want everybody to stand. Come on. Come on, let's stand and give Jesus a shout. See, everything we talked about this morning, because he's the marriage maker, everything is coming toward the power of agreement. I want to pray for you, and I, I, I want to pray a prayer of agreement this morning for all of us, because I believe that God wants to transact something so powerful, and the only thing stopping us seriously is us. Where's your power, God? Send down your power. I'm waiting for you. Ah, <laughs> oh, God, save our city. Nope, I already did my bit. Come on, you do your bit now. I'll show up. I'm not showing up to your party to watch you fight and argue and backbite. He's just not, who wants to go to that party? I'm not showing up. God's definitely not showing up. But when we submit, even when we're right and they're wrong, Look, we've all got warts. You're not looking at a perfect guy. But drop the stones, man. Submit. Submit for the cause. Submit for the bride. Submit for something greater. Do it in your marriage. Oh, but you don't understand what they do. Yeah, probably do. And look, I know if you're married to a non-believer, it's very, very difficult. I'm with you all the time. But grab, you know, somebody in your life that is a believer. You can still, you know, have the privilege of this. I know, I know there's situations, and I can't deal with all those in one sermon. But I, I'm just saying, where you can, get in one accord. And where you can, 
do the bid call forgiveness where you can stop the criticize where you can make sure there's no disunity no discord make sure that you're bringing unity and the power of agree of agreement will start to flow and when we do pray and when we do get together something incredibly powerful extraordinary supernatural is going to take place when we worship God our worship is going to go not to another level but to a whole new dimension friends it's going to be something amazing that the city has not seen this church has not seen it yet but it will I declare it will and we stand in agreement this this morning in the name of Jesus I want you to right now you don't if you're married to somebody you can grab their hand uh, if not if you're really good friends you can grab their hand as well but I want to pray and I want us to get into agreement and just declare some things this morning are you ready for this and then we're going to worship God Amen. Father, I just thank you for every person, every, every marriage that's here this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that right now a spirit of meekness, humbleness, a submissive spirit would come upon each marriage partner here as we finish this series. That we would not see marriage the way we saw it before, but we would see it in a greater dimension. And Lord, where there have been offenses and failures, I, I, I'm asking you right now just to forgive and let it go. Do the Jesus stuff. For people that aren't married, I'm asking you to see marriage as something different. It's not an old-fashioned contract. It's something so powerful that's waiting, just waiting to explode with power and generosity and grace into the families, the cities, and the, and the world. So we thank you right now, Lord. Open our eyes. Show each one of us what we can do, our part. We're not going to go save the whole world, but we can forgive one person. We're not going to go out and, and individually heal cancer and heal every disease that's in the world and worldwide poverty, but we can get into agreement with a group of people and watch power be unleashed out of that relationship. What we have to do, seriously, it's not overwhelming. It's quite simple. It just requires something called repentance, a change of mind, a change of attitude, another faith level with the Word of God and obedience. And Father, I thank you for each person here, single or married. We're all married. Every one of us that calls upon the name of the Lord, we're the bride. He's the, he's the groom. Every one of us that's married, we got two marriages going on there, parallel to one another. Let the kingdom of God shine first. And we get into agreement right now, right now, right now. We drop everything that's stopping us from walking in unity together in marriages and in the church, we drop it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.